0: Hello and welcome to the Better Business Show with me Tom Idle. Thanks for tuning in. Coming up this week.
1: When the bigger political landscape state is as challenging as it is, then people are you know consumers are looking for ways they can make a difference. And companies like Divine really offer that opportunity. So the sense that you are feeling that Divine is an authentic brand where you know that the benefits go to the farmers, that really offers consumers a way to say, you know, I want the world to be different from the way it is.
0: Yes, this time we're with Sophie Tronchel, CEO of Divine Chocolate, the farmer-owned fair trade chocolate business which at the start of this fair trade fortnight has posted some seriously impressive profit numbers. Stay tuned. Yes, welcome back. This is episode 55 of the Better Business Show. Uh, thanks for tuning in. If you're interested in the other previous 54 episodes of the show, then have a look at the website. It's uh, betterbusiness.show. You'll find our complete back catalogue there. Work your way through them. Have a troll. Have a search. Um, the complete archive if you just scroll down that page the complete archive is all listed there uh, but also also on that page you can subscribe to our newsletter uh, but also subscribe to the show use itunes use soundcloud go ahead and do that but we're going to going to get right into the heart of the show this week no messing around because fair trade fortnight kicks off today it's a UK-wide initiative led by the Fairtrade Foundation. Uh, it runs until March 12th. And really it's about bringing more awareness to shoppers about where the produce they're buying comes from. Fairtrade simply means offering fair prices for farmers in the developing world and it enables them to get a sustainable price on the produce they grow and a premium incentive to invest in their own communities. And when organisations sell their products through Fair Trade, They are paid the fair trade minimum price and the organisations will receive what's known as the fair trade premium. And it's up to the farmers and the workers to decide how to use that premium. Options like building a well or opening a hospital or a school or buying better farming equipment or investing in a switch to maybe organic farming. Loads of different options available. But by letting farmers and workers decide for themselves what's most important to invest in for their community, they're given vital control towards developing their overall futures as well as their livelihoods. The fair trade movement has achieved so much, but there's a reason that Fair Trade Fortnite, this being the 23rd edition, is still such a big deal. And that's because buying fair trade is still not front of mind when shoppers make their purchasing decisions. It's as simple as that. So this time around, the Fair Trade Foundation has been working with a new London-based creative agency to, to, I think, shift the marketing strategy so that it looks to engage with consumers emotionally by communicating the human element of this story and what unfair trade looks like. As Sharon Wagechi, Director of Public Engagement at the organisation, told Marketing Week this week, fair trade is often a rational purchase decision, something people feel positive about, but in a passive way, and we want it to be more emotionally engaging, she says. And she highlights, for example, that the smaller farmers it represents are responsible for providing the vast majority of things like tea and coffee that's sold in the UK, but they still live in a very impoverished condition. And then you've got cocoa farmers in the Ivory Coast, for example, and they're surviving on like 40 pence a day. And so, so yeah, so the Fairtrade Foundation campaign, which obviously kicked off earlier today to mark the start of the fortnight, uh, they've made a great film that's been doing the rounds on social media all day that really promotes the idea that, that no one deserves to be shortchanged for a hard day's work and that with the help of supporters, Fairtrade can help make it right. And the big boys are certainly ramping up their efforts in stores, in supermarkets. You will no doubt see the likes of Cadbury's and Mondelez uh, doing more than ever to really push the fair trade story. Uh, Mondelez is investing $400 million in sourcing five times the amount of chocolate sustainably. So there's some really good, you know, some good interesting stories going on with the the big boys too. Um, I mean, fair trade is not an idea that many people reject. Um, but I guess Fairtrade Foundation just wants them to kind of increase the frequency that they decide to go to a different cafe because it's fair trade, or that they choose a different chocolate bar because it's fair trade, or a banana. And really, it's about sort of nudging people to change that behaviour. That's according to Cheryl. Um, so, to mark the kicking off of Fairtrade Fortnite, we thought we'd check in with one of the brands that's been at the leading edge of the fair trade movement for the last twenty years. Divine Chocolate is a business with a clear social mission and a unique model in that the Farmer's Cooperative supplying the cocoa from Ghana is a majority shareholder in the company, uh, with a clear say about how it invests that money and how it drives that organisation on. So I caught up with the company's CEO, Sophie Tronchel, to find out more. Sophie, thank you for, for being there and taking time out of what is, I'm sure, to be an incredibly busy fortnight as Fairtrade fortnight kicks off. Uh, now, Divine Chocolate is, is a brand that, that many of our listeners will probably know and love, but for those out there that are still very much in the dark, tell us about Divine, because this is a, a business that has its roots very much in the kind of NGO community, but also one of the founding par- partners was uh, The Body Shop, wasn't it? Yes.
1: Yeah. So Divine Chocolate, um, as the name says, uh, we produce a fantastic range of of Divine Chocolate. Um, But what's special about us is that the cooperative farmers, a cooperative of cocoa farmers in Ghana, own 44% of the company. Right. And the story really began with them. So they were set up in 1993 as a democratic farmers cooperative. And in their AGM in 1997, they voted to set up a chocolate company so they could put themselves higher up the value chain. Okay. And so in 1998, Divine Chocolate was incorporated and Body Shop was one of the people who thought that it was a great idea. So they supported it by both investing in it, but also allowing us to sell chocolate in their shops in those first years when we didn't have national distribution. So people would actually have a chance to taste it.
0: Ah, uh, I see. so they actually stocked it, did they, back in the day? They
1: did, yes. I mean, obviously, it's a bit of a challenge putting chocolate in cosmetic shops, and those yeah, those, yeah. those shops in the mouths can get a bit warm. Uh, but they they stocked it from um, Valentine's Day through to sort of Mother's Day and Easter, and it meant that we could actually do um, marketing, which says, "Go and try it, try it in Body Shop." But if you think about it, also, when you buy the things in Body Shop, you certainly, though, in those days, were very aware of the fact that lots of the natural ingredients came from farmers around the world, and that they. They were very good at showcasing those farmers who, who cr- created the ingredients, like the shea butter and the cocoa butter, and you know the yeah. vanilla and things that made, made the uh, body shop products so 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 lovely.
2: Yeah, and so yeah, it was
1: yeah. it, it had a real synergy with with their audience because you obviously are disproportionately getting women shopping who like eating chocolate, but also the sense of thinking, oh, why is this chocolate here? Oh, it's here because actually the cocoa farmers that supply the cocoa butter for the moisturising products are also sup- uh, supplying the cocoa for these chocolate bars.
0: Yes, indeed. And, and Divine is, is obviously not the only business we've featured on the show here that, that, you know, that kind of walks that line between social mission and then having a, you know, an absolute commercial proposition. Uh, and essentially that's exactly what we're trying to do with the podcast to really sort of showcase examples of businesses, of, you know, of businesses that are successful because of their social or environmental message rather than in spite of it. And that's exactly what you're doing, isn't it?
1: yes ab- absolutely. I mean, so we we, we launched in one thousand nine hundred and ninety eight and that sense of launching a chocolate company into an amazingly competitive market with you know some of giant companies in it um, that was really only possible because we had such a special story, mm. so that sense that you tasted our chocolate, but then you heard where it came from, and it made you want to. You know, go out and ask for it and ask for your local shop to stock it or ask for your local council to put it into the vending machines or to ask your workplace to stock it. it that sense of people feeling more loyal to it because they thought the story was so lovely.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, uh, so we could only be a success because of the fact that we are, we're here to improve the livelihoods of cocoa farmers and to get them a better share of the wealth they're helping to, helping to create.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so the news that, that comes out right now as we kick off Fairtrade Fortnight is this 38% profit increase and the payment of a dividend to those cocoa farmer owners. Uh, try and explain to us, Sophie, just how significant this announcement is. Give us some context. I mean, how, how does this sort of news sit in the world of coffee for of, of cocoa for cocoa. a start, and in the wider kind of fair trade movement? I mean, how significant is this?
1: Well, I think it's significant because what fair trade is about is guaranteeing farmers a minimum price for their whatever they're selling. So, cocoa in this instance, mm. and also paying a social premium. Which, what's important about that social premium is that the farmers get to decide how that money is spent. So that is what happens when you see a fair trademark on a product. But what's special in Divine's case is that in addition to that, we invest 2% of our turnover in working with the farmers to help them build their businesses and to build the infrastructure and to improve their skills. But we also then distribute a, 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 a profit and they, because they own 44% of the company, get 44% of the profit. So that's completely distinctive. So if you think yeah. about it, Cadbury's um, is, has some fair trade products and um, that means that they are buying the product, the cocoa at a fair trade price and they're paying a fair trade premium. But that's where it finishes. And so that when Cadbury's got bought by um, Kraft for $11 billion dollars, um, the farmers didn't see any of that money. So right. there wasn't that, you know, the farmers didn't have a say about it. Whereas in, in Divine's case, they actually get a share of the money and, and they have a say in how the companies run because they have two seats on the board of Divine, which means they come to the board meetings on a quarterly basis. And we have one board meeting a year in Ghana. We've just come back from it. It was if we held our AGM in, in Ghana in, right. um, two weeks ago. So it makes it a very distinctive business where the farmers have a real say in how the company is run and have a real say and have a real share of the profit.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and give us some examples of of how that money might be spent in these communities in in Ghana.
1: So the farmers I mean, so I think the good thing about people deciding how to spend their money is they tend to spend it more wisely. You know, so rather than us telling them how to spend the money, they're actually having you know, democratic meetings thinking about what's the best way to spend it. So in terms of the fair trade premium, they do vote to spend quite a lot pay off of that as bonuses to the farmers. So the farmers get extra money for every ton of cocoa that gets sold because it's been sold into the fair trade market. But they've also invested money in doing other things like sinking water wells and uh, building schools. Right. The, the the money that they've got from Divine, we've, we've worked with them on what things would really help them grow their business and help them build a better business. And so over time, they've invested that money in things like um, date, building a database so they really know about who their members are, about um, doing training in agricultural practices so they can improve uh, their, the cocoa that they grow and to grow more of it um, They've also done some really nicely innovative things like having radio programs. So one of the, one of the challenges they have is that their membership is uh, very dispersed. It, um, lots of people don't have access to clean water and electricity. And, so, and, and they're also illiterate. And so how do you communicate with such a big membership over such a big area? Mm-hmm. And radio programs are a really good solution. And so they've been doing radio programs with the phone-in element so you can really see that farmers are engaging with that. They're asking about how the cooperative works and how they might join it as well. So it's quite a good way to recruit more farmers to the organisation. So they've used the money to fund all sorts of innovative things. And the thing we're particularly focusing on this year is they've really done a good job of empowering women. And we all know that when women are empowered and women get the money, then you can actually create thriving societies because they spend their money on things like educating their children and really making the community you know, a better place for people to live in. And so they've been very committed to women's empowerment from, from the beginning by setting things like quotas, but they've also invested some of that premium and some of the money they've got from Divine in making sure that women have access to training and that women get access to literacy and numeracy lessons and that women have access to microfinance so that they can um, develop other skills and sell other things on the market when it isn't the cocoa season
0: yeah yeah i can see i can tell the passion in your voice about this you know the the, whole, the kind of women's movement and, and it's, a, it's a story that so many people just don't realize about how important women are in these communities right
1: yes no no it's, it's very important but i also think it has a resonance with chocolate because women lo- love eating chocolate <laughs> and so the idea that then women who grow the co- chocolate really benefit from it i think is is, is, yeah. is re- really important actually
0: it's lovely um t- talk us through the kind of structure of the business i know you, you're in the the london headquarters now are you I know yeah. You have a U.S. business as well. How's the sort of the business structured?
1: So we've got 18 people working in an office in London who are doing marketing and distribution, um, and then we have an office in America. Where, uh, where we've got um, nine people in total. The salespeople tend to be in other, in other places, but the offices is in, in Washington, D.C. And we've got national distribution in both America and Britain. And then we've got some very nice export business. So we export from Britain into Sweden and Norway and Holland and a bit into places like South Korea and Japan. And then in America, we export into Canada. And so we're seeing nice growth in those export territories as well as seeing significant growth in America,
0: Actually. right and as you touched on earlier chocolate is a you know, huge business uh understatement of the year but you know the uk chocolate market said to be worth four billion a year or something uh how do you compete i mean we've touched on this already but presumably the, the kind of farm ownership and the fair trade sort of narrative only goes so far how do, how do you make this business a sustained success
1: I think d- by d- developing very good products, I mean so we have a really nice range we- of one hundred gram bars we 've got uh, fourteen flavors we 've got a disproportionate amount of uh, dark chocolate flavors which are uh, which play very well to the increased interest in dark chocolates in Britain, which is driven both through people becoming i suppose more sophisticated but also aware of their health and the fact that if you eat products with higher cocoa then they've got less sugar so they're better for you but we've put flavors into those higher cocoa products so we've got things like raspberry and orange and ginger and mint in those in in those in those chocolate bars so I, i think that in the end however good your story you've got to have really excellent products and and mm. people telling people that they think these products are great and and you know buying repeat buying them so what we're seeing certainly in the places that we're stocked in britain is that we've got you know good and growing sales and in america that, that, that that's the same is true
0: yes indeed my son is a big fan he's uh, only six but he's he's dairy intolerant so he does love the kind of the dark variety of chocolate and they they are great uh, this this taste profile is is it down to the to the, to the way the cocoa is is grown uh, by by your farmers it's,
1: it's, so it's quite interesting i mean so we we, we 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 only work with farmers in ghana and that is the historic link of chocolate in britain is with farmers in ghana so right. that historically cadbury's got all of their cocoa from ghana okay. and so that we are you know, we, we like the flavour of cocoa from Ghana and it's a different species of tree from cocoa from Latin America. And so you can't make cocoa right. from Latin America taste like cocoa from Ghana. But also the work that the farmers do, fermenting the cocoa uh, and drying the cocoa, really adds to the mellow flavour of, of Ghanaian cocoa.
0: Right. And so that, okay. so
1: that, that if they didn't do that work, then the chocolate you know, would potentially be much more bitter.
0: Yeah well we encourage all our listeners to go out and, and taste some. Um, the, other, the other big news from you guys this week is that you've brought in two new board members. Uh, David Croft who I've interviewed a number of times he's at, at Diageo and, and Cheryl, Cheryl Pinto from Ben & Jerry's obviously another big champion of fair trade. Uh, what, what do these guys bring to the party for a company like yours?
1: Well, they bring so many things, don't they? I mean, they bring years and years of experience in uh, bigger companies, but also in companies that do care about their supply chains. And mm-hmm. so that sense of both helping us in a commercial way about how we should position um, the, the, the chocolate and the brand, but also looking at are we um, doing as well as we could be in terms of the work that we're doing with farmers and helping them to help themselves. Yep. Um, and so David, we've been working with David. Actually, I've been working with David over the last... 18 years because he was in co-op when we um, helped co-op convert their chocolate to fair trade 15 right. years ago okay, and so we, right. we and we, we met out in Ghana with the farmers all those years ago and then obviously he went on to convert um, Cadbury's who also sourced yeah. their cocoa from Ghana and so we carried our paths carried on crossing and so that sense of uh, him coming onto the board seems seems a, a, a good uh, next stage in the journey and yeah. then obviously Ben and Jerry's you know uses lots of chocolate as well in their product and sources all sorts of fair trade ingredients so i think the sense that they can really bring value to our board is is fantastic and we're re- really pleased to welcome them to the board yeah, they, uh, both, they both came to the board meeting that was in ghana uh, the week before last and you know how many people have a board meeting where you have to travel all the way to to Kumasi in ghana and then they came with us also right deep into the rainforest and to the border with the ivory Coast, to go and see some farmers who we were working with deep in western region and fantastic. so what what an amazing amazing experience and it really means that the board members of divine really get to know each other
0: yeah which, yeah which
1: i think is useful for when you're trying to develop new things but it's also a really good way to get people to have a shared understanding
0: yeah exactly and i and I wonder whether you kind of share that frustration that, that that more companies can't collaborate and work together particularly on supply chain issues there's so many kind of crossovers uh and how often do these companies actually get to speak to each other as well i mean it's I don't know, how do you feel about that?
1: I feel as if there's some quite interesting work going on on that actually. I, I feel as if there are, some, there are some very established forums, things like the Ethical Trading Initiative, um, where people are actually sharing good practice and yeah. also not duplicating. so the idea that you have access to each other's audits makes a lot of sense yeah. in a way fair trade is that you know so that fair trade certifies the farmers rather than us each separately going and certifying the farmers. Right. so I think there is an increasing amount of cooperation and I think what i'd like to see i mean what i hope to see in the future is the idea that there is much more learning back with the farmers so that the yeah. farmers are really aware of what has been learnt, and so those sort of learning loops where you get, you go and do the work with them and you recognize what's worked and what hasn't worked and have you spent enough time spe- selling that back to the farmers so they're really aware of the things that have worked well
0: yeah exactly yeah um so the last 12 months i mean obviously the, the numbers speak for themselves but it just seems that so much is happening kind of geopolitically right now. Are you seeing kind of positive signs, whether that's in the framing of you know the UN SDGs or whatever it might be, that is creating a kind of more solid landscape for a company like yours to just go from strength to strength? Are you seeing that?
1: I think what I'm seeing is, is, is that when... Um, the bigger political landscape is as challenging as it is, then people are, you know, consumers are looking for ways they can make a difference. Right. They, they're still looking for that. And companies like Divine really offer that opportunity. Mm. So the sense that you are feeling that Divine is an authentic brand, where you know that the benefits go to the farmers, that's while delivering fantastic products. I, I think that really offers consumers a way to say, you know, I want the world to be different from the way it is, and yeah. I want to play my part in doing that. And so I do think that consumers are, are, are increasingly interested, and I think there is then a significant amount of people in business who see their role in making the world uh, you know, a better place. Yeah. And, and see that as, glo- as companies that have a global outlook, they really have a, an important part to play. And you're seeing some of the big companies that are signing up to the Sustainable Development Goals recognising that they're in a unique place to do, mm. to do that. And so I think that's really important and I hope more of them will step up quicker. Yeah. Um, but and I also think that there's clearly people looking for different solutions. And I think that the B Corp, B Corp framework is one of the ways that that's happening, too. And so we've yeah. just we've just um, been certified as a B Corp and we're joining more than 2000 companies that have already done that where we're saying we, we believe that business should be a force for good and that we want to do business better. Yes. And we're prepared to let people, you know, look at how we're doing business and assess it so that it can be independently assessed as, as, a, as a better way of doing business. And so I think that's also an exciting area of growth.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you about the B Corporation certification. Then that's really the, the, the idea for you guys. It's about ultimate transparency, is it?
1: I think it's about offering new ways for consumers to feel that they can genuinely tell that a company is doing something differently. So I think that fair trade was always about products.
2: Yeah, and so yeah. it
1: was guaranteeing that, if I was saying I was paying more for the cocoa and the sugar and the nuts, that they were actually offering a cons- consumers a guarantee that, that what I was saying was true and that they were checking that the farmers actually got that money and that they were making you know, democratic decisions about how to spend it, yeah. whereas what B Corps is trying to do is saying that actually we need to look at the whole way a business works.
2: Yeah. No, we yeah. we
1: want to look at how they, um, in, you know, what, how, what, how do they employ people? Are they employing people on good terms and conditions? Uh, you know, are they paying them well? What's their environmental impact? What's the impact that they have on on the people who supply them with products? And how are they running their organisation in terms of, of, of the governance? You know, do they pay appropriate taxes? Are the pay ratios um, you know, decent and defendable? And I think the idea of putting that information into the public domain so that uh, people have the ability to choose what goods and services they buy is absolutely the right next step. I think we're all working on how, me- how to make that happen, you yep. know, how to put meaningful information into the public domain so that it isn't overwhelming it, yeah. It's it, it's a good shorthand for yes, this is a better way of doing business. But if we want to make the world the way I want to see it work, then I think it's really important that big corporations pay appropriate taxes in the countries that they're operating in, that yeah. they pay their own employees well, that they use their own due diligence to make sure that their supply chains aren't doing anything really unpleasant. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and and so I think that I think that a B is a good. Um, a good start at that and i'm I'm really excited that divine has been able to to join a group of you know incredibly progressive uh forward-looking companies that are looking at how does doing business better look like in the 21st century
0: yeah and it has the potential to be incredibly powerful we've had a number of big corporations on the show actually uh, uh junction and cook and neighborly so a number of uh other businesses similar in a similar vein you know wanting to go down the b corporation route which i think is great um what about you sophie Uh, what's your background what were you doing before before this
1: so obviously I've been doing this for a long time because I've been doing it since 1999. But before yes. that, I was running a film uh, distribution company and uh, art, so an art house film distribution company and cinema group.
2: Oh, right. Okay.
1: Um, we, had a, we had the Metro Cinema at the bottom of the Trocadero. We yeah, ran a lovely yeah. Latin American yeah. film festival. We released the early Al films and things. So we wow. were doing exciting, lovely things. But, but in my spare time, what I was doing was uh, campaigning against apartheid. Okay, which okay. actually kind of links to what I do now rather well, because so I spent my youth telling people what what not to buy in order to stop apartheid, and then then I sort of recognized there was an opportunity there to change to to channel the passion and energy of the boycott movement into a, something where, which was about positive purchasing, yeah. and so if you could actually make people who were prepared to stand outside a supermarket and tell people not what not to buy to get people to go in and buy the right thing then you could make the world the way you'd like it to be
0: yeah i love that um i mean so what's the ultimate ambition for you know you and your time at divine i mean you know obviously we've talked about how big this the the chocolate market is if you can capture a you know even a tiny portion of it you can have a big impact in terms of those producers and the farming communities but i wonder you know how how good is is good enough like where do you need to take this business to have the impact that you want to have
1: well i want to see um divine grow so that it is um i suppose a resilient business a business that can take the sort of challenges that the future holds Uh, i also want it to be um in a way, a shining example. I think that, you know, when we set out in 1998, part of our business plan was to get big companies to, convert their, their their cocoa purchasing to fair trade and we really did that didn't we i mean so the, mm. the sense that when we started it was absolutely unfeasible that cadbury's would convert cadbury's dairy milk or maltesers would convert and Kit Kat would convert so the fact that all of those ginormi- ginormous corporations converted household brands to fair trade mm. is partly because we made it visible and partly because you know we made fair trade visible and partly because the farmers we worked with got big enough to supply companies like them and so that they actually was enough fair trade cocoa in the pot for for big companies to do significant conversions and know that they were going to have a stable supply. Yeah. Um, And so I I think to to continue to be out there um, showing what good business looks like, and that's different in the future from the past. So, I mean, I'm really excited with the work that we're doing on gender empowerment to really, um, I don't know, codify what it is that good business looks like. But we're also doing really nice work on looking at hired labor in, in our supply chain. Right. So that just because they're smallholder farmers doesn't mean they don't employ people and you know, what are the terms and conditions of that employment? And so that sense Mm. of actually looking at some of the more challenging things and working with farmers to develop what good looks like, I think is a, a really important role for companies like Divine to do. And then, the other thing that we, we we want to continue to do is to look for other ingredients and to be buying them on a, on a fair trade basis and to be working with farmers and helping them build their organizations yeah we 're also you can tell from our business, uh, from our annual report that we 're also looking for new export territories so we can really grow the business
0: right so it 's an exciting few years ahead for you anyway and yeah. uh, and fair trade Fortnight kicks off uh, today. Uh, I mean, what else have you got going on over the next couple of weeks? What, Anything to point our listeners to? Anything they can get involved on?
1: so we've got lovely we've got two lovely ladies from Ghana over. so we've got uh, Linda and Victoria have come all the way from um, Kumasi to visit, to, to visit and to travel around the country and um, tomorrow Linda and I are going to go up to Manchester to celebrate the fact that they converted their chocolate to fair trade 15 years ago so that's wow. an enormous um, commit, commitment that they, they've made and that they've now extended that commitment so that all of the cocoa that they buy for any own label product will now be fair trade so whether that's in a, you know, an, an ice cream or in a chocolate tart or in a chocolate cookie all the cocoa will be fair trade and so we, uh, we're really excited to be part of that event and um, they will be travelling around to visit lots of our customers like Suma um, who are one of the wholesale cooperatives okay. and um, people like Waitrose but they will also, we're, we're going to be doing an event next week to celebrate International Women's Day called What Is It About Women and Chocolate where we'll be getting the farmers to speak but we'll also be getting people who are in retail and people who are academics and people who are campaigners to talk about what's going on in women in agricultural supply chains and specifically cocoa. And so that will be a lovely event that we're going to be running next week for people in the industry so that people can actually, again, see what good looks like.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you got a busy few weeks, uh, but we wish you all the best with that. But also, in, in the wider context of the business, it's a great story, and it's one that we, you know, exactly the sort of story we we love to tell on the show. Uh, so we wish you all the best with uh, with Divine Chocolate. Thank you, Sophie.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Sophie Tranchel, there, CEO of Divine Chocolate, uh, talking to me earlier today as Fairtrade Fortnite kicks off. For more information about Divine, about Sophie, about the whole Divine story, just head to the website divinechocolate.com. It's a really you know, perfect example of how the Fairtrade movement works and how much that it's really matured in the last few years. Uh, as ever, let me know what you think of the show and do be sure to both get involved in Fairtrade uh, Fortnite events happening near you And do try some delicious divine chocolate. It would be rude not to, wouldn't it? Anyway, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back again for our Friday 5 News Roundup this Friday lunchtime. So don't miss that. Uh, But until next time, goodbye.